We need a co-host, Mario. Need some hosts. Got it. We're up. I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> Wait, people get paid for this? <laughs> Apparently some people make money off things. I sit there. I'm billing uh, by the hour. Oh, god damn it. I knew it. I knew it. A lawyer would show up and tell us that we owed him something when we're not even getting paid. We Wait. got... We got we got your favorite lawyer coming. He's the one we pay the most. Guess who that is? It's got to be Silver. Every time he shows up, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I get a bill. It's crazy. <laughs> it's got to be Silver. He's, like, he's been joining us shortly. But, Carlo, have you looked at the DeFi uh, rule that the SEC is looking to implement? Or I think they're implementing. Yeah, it's uh, highly controversial, and I think it does pose a particular threat to DeFi, and I think uh, a good a good conversation for today for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised not many people are talking about it. Not yet. I, I think people saw the uh, number. You know, it's like uh, doesn't apply to anyone under 50 million and shrugged it off as irrelevant. But uh, I think uh, the bigger the number, maybe the more more impactful it'll be. Or we'll break it down when we get everyone on. I think. Yeah, I think that will be the main focus for today. Uh, I don't think anything else matters as much as this. Pretty relatively quiet day, actually. Just look at the news now. We have got the Solana news, which we discussed yesterday. Um, and I think the, the explanation that was given by, um, who was it that, that put out? It was Matt Siegel. The name. Matt, Matt Siegel, Siegel, our favorite. Matthew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Matthew put out a great explanation. And, and that's still the explanation that people are, uh, are sharing today. Um, but that's pretty much it. I think there's a few countries cracking down on a crypto crime, which is good news. Uh, Korea, Dubai, Turkey, a whole bunch of them. The headlines are uh, wild. Otherwise, that the headlines are wild. It's the, all the all the headlines about South Korea that you're gonna like do life in mm. prison if you commit crypto crime. But the actual story is I'm you could do not up to crime. life. I'm saying you could do up to life in prison if it's a horrid thing. But uh, they were just basically uh, strengthening their regime against it. But for anyone who read the headline, it was like if I commit a crime that's related to crypto, I'm going to life uh, prison for life in Korea. That's not really the case. Yeah, it's clickbait to another level. It's a crime with uh, that, that's above five million dollars US dollars, five billion one, and then yeah, you could get up to life in prison. Obviously, it's never you know, yeah, hey, it's, it's a crime. It involves more than five million. You're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. So that's yeah, not the case. That if you read the headlines, that's what it seemed like. It even got my attention. There you go. Uh, yeah, so so maybe just kick it off with uh, with you and Alex on stage. It'd be good to get a quick market update. I know it's relatively quiet, and Alex, uh, be good to get your update not only today but just over the last few days and, and what you expect this year. But I mean, Scott, quick update for today. One of those boring updates where not much is happening. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think it's actually somewhat encouraging that Bitcoin is chilling, sitting sideways at roughly forty-three thousand. I think we we spent a lot of time talking about outflows from GBTC, which have slowed to a bit of a trickle, you know, I think to 70 ish million yesterday when just two weeks ago, we were talking about 700 million on any, on any given day. Uh, and seeing, you know, sort of the inflows continue into the ETF. So I think it's nice that we're not getting the, uh, that, that downward pressure and that things have stabilized. I think the market right now is just kind of on the hunt for new narrative. Uh, and it's fine to be boring and sideways coming up, I think, towards the the having and inevitably the Ethereum spot ETF narratives and all the other things that we're going to have. But this is actually the part of the cycle where it should be relatively boring in advance of the having. And if we hadn't had the Bitcoin spot ETF, I think uh, that's what we probably would have been seeing. But uh, just a whole lot of sideways, a whole lot of chop, I think a whole lot of anticipation of what might come next. 
Alex, I would love to get your thoughts on the market. Yeah, I think I, I mostly agree with Scott. I think um, it is quiet. It's pretty stable. Um, you know, you see a little bit of short-term movement here and there, but then, you know, as the days reset, as Monday opens, right, you sort of snap back around 43 and like, you know, 23, 24 on, on ETH. So, I mean, it, it, I think it just, it does feel calm. I think um, the market is still digesting um, what to do with these ETFs outside of the initial, um, you know, net inflows that we've seen. I think the same story applies, like, right, like the ETFs are, they appear to be functioning. I would say they're operationally look pretty good um so that's all great there's been i think solid interest but we were early in the marketing cycle for those we're early in the education and onboarding cycle for advisors and their platforms so i think we kind of wait i mean i i really don't think you're going to see like their main use really pick up until maybe even three months from now i think most of the advisor platforms take really several months to evaluate suitability and operational safety of, of new products. So yeah, I think we're just, we're sort of chilling. I mean, you're seeing some, some, you know, declining volatility a little bit. You're seeing, um, you know, some, some large Bitcoin calls trading overnight. I mean, it, it's, but it's, I would say it's, it's mostly uneventful uh, from a pure market standpoint overall in the last couple of days. Quickly, Mario and Alex to something interesting. I was talking to Matt Hogan this morning from, from Bitwise on YouTube, and he pointed out that he thought actually that the conversations with RIAs were more advanced than he expected at this point. They've seen a lot of platforms start to turn on the tap. So he agreed with you. He originally thought six to 12 months. Now he thinks more like three months when we start to see the bulk of them largely coming in. But something interesting he pointed out, and he just tweeted about it uh, right after the show, which was this. I'll just read it. Fidelity has a 1% to 3% Bitcoin allocation in their all-in-one asset allocation funds in Canada using spot Bitcoin ETFs. The conservative version is posted below, which he shows below at 1%. So just uh, this is Fidelity, of course. They're very pro-crypto. But for this is for someone who buys a passive index fund or, or a mutual fund or something from Fidelity. You obviously, most people who buy those retirement dated funds that rebalance automatically and they have exposure to 20, 30 different ETFs within them. Most people don't know what's in there, but Fidelity is actively including a one to 3% allocation to the Bitcoin spot ETF in that for the most conservative, passive Roth IRA type investors who are just passively trusting Fidelity to manage their money up to retirement. If that Right now, as it says in Canada, but the idea that the Bitcoin spot ETF and people who understand the math of a sharp ratio or the power of having something uncorrelated or idiosyncratic in your portfolio, Fidelity is basically paving the way there saying, listen, even if you hate Bitcoin, you probably don't even know it's in here, but it's helping your portfolio. Right. I made the joke to Matt. There's tons of people in the world who are diametrically opposed to the idea of investing in a Tesla or a Meta because they hate Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or something. The same sort of passionate hate that certain people have, you know, narrative against Bitcoin. Those people probably don't understand that if they're invested in any sort of mutual funds or anything retirement weighted, that they have massive exposure to those stocks. Right. Massive yeah. exposure, like massive. And they have no idea. They hate it. They would never buy it. And they don't realize that it's helping their portfolio every single day. And I think that is an important sort of step for Bitcoin that even if you hate it, it can help your portfolio. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think that is the, the right 
um, approach, frankly. I mean, I, we, we, there's been a million papers about what a, what a good allocation of Bitcoin has been historically. And, it, you know, they're basically all right. Um, just, to, you know, I worked at Fidelity for 12 years. I just want to caveat here that Fidelity Canada is a wholly separate company from Fidelity Investments in the United States. It, it shares some common ownership, um, obviously. But it is, I think it is fair to say it's indicative of how this goes, right? I mean, the, the path has been, you know, derivatives in the U.S., spot ETFs in Canada, spot ETFs in the U.S., right? So, like, you like you could definitely see this happening, especially with the commentary that, say, Larry Fink has been making about it also. Like, it, I think it makes plenty of sense to, to have a small allocation um, in general. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it depends on who we're talking about. But when you talk about the big advisor platforms like Morgan Stanley's and Merrill's and Edward Jones and, and, and whatnot, like, I... I I just I would be cautious on on how soon they become available, but they're definitely going to be hearing from their end clients. I mean, it, the, the sort of like the, the question is kind of de-risked here at this point. It's like I mean, these are totally legal, low-cost ETFs run by established issuers, right? So I think it's definitely coming. Yeah, totally agree. Mario, do you want to uh, talk a little bit more markets? We've got Peter here, obviously, and Chris as well. So maybe we should, uh, instead of diving too deep on ETFs, uh, see where they think we're at. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, yeah um, you know, all my technicals remain, uh, you know, constructive on Bitcoin. I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we get one more washout down to 37. Maybe we overshoot that a little bit, just really kind of clean out the tank a little bit. But, you know, people are saying there's nothing exciting about Bitcoin. I, there's To me, historically, there's nothing more constructive than when a market goes up easy, goes up quietly without big fanfare. I get concerned when all of a sudden Bitcoin becomes news of the day and we start spiking and everybody's talking on the headline news about Bitcoin. That's when I worry. The fact that we're going up easy uh, I look at price action. We tend to be going up by by just having offers taken off the table, nothing aggressively in the bid side. Uh, that to me is constructive. So, you know, tell proven differently. I just think Bitcoin continues to work higher. I could listen to Peter talk about Bitcoin all day, by it's, the way. It's the best. It's the best. I, I agree. Peter, how deeply do you dig into the altcoin market beyond there? Have you taken a look at Ethereum by any chance? Uh, yeah, I'm not popular in the crypto world on Ethereum because uh, I've just had too much experience and difficulty with dealing with it. I mean, it's, it's not to me, if I want to store a value, it's Bitcoin, not Ethereum. If I want functionality, it's definitely not Ethereum. So I, I just, I'm not a big Ethereum fan. I mean, I, given the opportunity, I'd rather be short Ethereum than long Ethereum, although I'm neither. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, to me, crypto is Bitcoin, Bitcoin's crypto, and I don't wander off into the exotics. And what, where do you think, uh, the, the market, I should say the stock market stands at this point. It's also kind of gotten a little choppy here near the highs. Uh, A lot of people can, you know, continue to think the uh, impending death of markets is coming and it keeps kind of grinding upwards too. I'm just, I'm, I'm humorized by it all. You know, I see people, some who I've had and still have respect for, who, you know, are, are given a big red flag warning on stocks. But yet I, you know, wake up this morning and I look and NASDAQ and S&Ps are within whiskers of new all-time highs. I look around the world, I see the DAX is in the same position. I see the Nakai, the Topex, 
uh, stock markets around the world are healthy. Uh, a market whose major indexes continue to make new all-time highs, uh, th- that's not a bearish situation for me. Now, that's not to say that all of a sudden price action doesn't confirm that, that we start getting divergences and failures and markets take a run at a high as you get a spike through old highs with the reversal and reasons to have some concern. But, you know, I use moving averages not systematically, but as a proxy of trend. And all of the moving averages that I look at continue to support upward strength in global equity markets. And as long as that's the case, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, all of a sudden I'm worried about the stock market. So I continue yep. to look at the stock market very positively. Chris, now you get the chance to agree with the legend Peter Brandt, because I know you agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I love Peter, man. He just, he's got so much experience, you know. Um, and uh, I, I think anybody that's not listening to what Peter's saying um, really, really is doing themselves a disservice, you know. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, you know, the, as you know, we just talked a little bit earlier uh, on your show. But yeah, you know, uh, Bitcoin continues to push higher. And, and as Peter said, you know, you, you get worried when it kind of spikes higher on a whole bunch of talk and whatnot. But when that thing just kind of continues moving uh, and, and you don't, you know, you're not really getting a whole bunch of people are bored and, and whatnot. I mean, that that's what you that that's good. That's what you want to see. That's healthy. Um, so, you know, I continue to look for Bitcoin higher. Um, you know, I think what I think Peter said, what a lot of people are really hoping for, which is, you know, we'd like to get that pullback. Um, and I would definitely be a buyer if we did. But um, I just I don't see it happening at this moment. Now, you know, obviously anything can change and, you know, it's day to day kind of thing. But right now, the structure that, that we're looking at um, off the, the 38,000 swing low is looking pretty good to me. Um, when it comes to stocks, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just posted about the NASDAQ just kind of casually, you know, printing another new all time high right now. Um, not not unexpected. You know, I've got counts that continue to see these things head higher here. Um you know, with the NASDAQ, uh, the Dow, uh, the S&P, all those, uh, we continue to see, um, you know, really good earnings where it matters. You know, the, the, the players that are kind of moving markets and things that we're seeing a lot of double beats uh, coming over the last few weeks. And so, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, it's something else I've mentioned with you before. You know, I think, uh, you know, retail traders especially tend to get caught up in narratives and, and emotions and Oh my God, this has been going up. It's got to pull back, right? Well, yeah, it seems like it has to, but uh, the market's going to do whatever the market's going to do. And it's not our job to tell it what to do. It's our job to pay attention um, and, and, and see what it's doing, you know, and, and to trade along with that. Uh, we get in trouble when we start uh, trying to fight it, when we start trying to create reasons why it has to do whatever it is that we think it has to do. Um, and, and, and it's a difficult thing when you're a new trader, try, you know, just getting in and just starting to, to get your feet and figure out. It's one of those things we all have to go through um, and accept before we can kind of move on uh, beyond that. Yeah, I just don't see any huge red flags at the moment uh, in, the, in the short term, certainly. And certainly not with Bitcoin. I said to Matt Hogan this morning, it just seems like, and this scares me, but there's just not many glaring headwinds. You know, and there are a lot of tailwinds in narrative. Uh, Martin, I see you lift your mic. I was listening to Peter talking, and we must be around the same age, or maybe I'm slightly younger, but we all remember um, 
no, what's his name? The Fed chairman. But uh, his his famous speech right. on um, exaggerated exa- exa- what what was it? Exact exaggerated exuberance. That was the comment. Irrational, Irrational exuberance right at the beginning of the dot com crisis, right? So the trend is real, friend, absolutely, and I don't see any big flags. You know, I I personally think this will be the biggest bull market you've ever seen in any asset because there are so few people in crypto. Right? We haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Uh, Mario, uh, you're a bit robotic. <laughs> Mario, you're a robot. Yeah. Uh, to to crypto, so I work for Uphold um, Institutionals. So I have a bit of a view of of what institutions are doing, and there's just so much money on the sidelines still, uh, really chasing yield everywhere. Um, I think one of the reasons why why Ethereum staking is so popular is just they don't they don't know where to put the money. Right? Uh, if you look at the Nasdaq, it's basically carried on the shoulders of five six big stocks. So that's that's an aberration. But there is so much money waiting to, to get in. And what the ETF has done, the approval has done, uh, more than anything, right? Uh, I hate ETFs. It's not in the original crypto spirit. But what ETFs have done is put a stamp of approval. They sort of say, it's okay, right? It's like in the, in the, in the 70s when they had gay liberation. It's okay to be gay now. So now it's okay to, be, to buy Bitcoin, right? Uh, there's no more objections. And you see a ton of banks around the world suddenly adding uh, ETFs. And what they're really adding is the Bitcoin ETFs immediately because the plumbing is there, the infrastructure is there. It is much more, it's much easier for a bank, a traditional bank to just say, let's offer this ETF than it is to offer crypto, which involves, I mean, the, the second biggest department at Uphold after engineering is the compliance department. We do more compliance checks an hour than it's, it's insane. So if a bank wants to get into crypto, that's a huge lift for a bank, especially the medium, smaller banks. Whereas if there's an ETF for it, put some in. And the percentages that people are willing to allocate as an alternative asset is so small that even those consumers who don't realize they have it in their fund, they just don't care, have a 1% of whatever that is. You know? So yes, I think the, the signs are there for a huge bull market. The only caveat is is the financial situation of the Bitcoin miners, which bothers me a bit. The fact that they are still selling so much at this point is a bit of a question. Isn't mark. that normal? But isn't that somewhat it's normal? Excessive. Uh, in, it's, it's in this right part it's of, the, of the cycle. Because I mean, the, with the with the having coming, yeah. you know, yeah. they have to raise cash in advance of knowing that they're going to make less money initially. It That's- seemed to me the amount was more than just raising that cash, but I might Makes be wrong. I don't see I don't see any big red flags for anything here. I'm looking forward to some more positive times and upward trends here. Ryan, it's been uh, about three months we haven't had you on stage, so it's good to have you. Who's here? Get your thoughts on the market. He remembers us. I go to Dubai for four days, and and, and and you guys feel like it's three months. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about Satoshi Roundtable because I missed it and having FOMO. It's uh, it was absolutely absolutely brilliant. It was just a bunch of amazing 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 people. It was just it was so beautifully organized and very high caliber of of people and just lots of things happening and a good sentiment in the market. You know, like it's nice to have these these kind of conferences in a in a bullish market. And so, yeah, it was really, really, really good. 
and then the other thing which which Mario I think you should start leaving the house more is Dubai I mean did you see I, Mario no I didn't I mean I, I literally come on Every minute of I was gonna go see him last he's night. Been, he's been he's been to my he's been to my bedroom. I know he has. I know we've he already has. we've already we've already bonded. Okay, cool, cool, cool story, guy. Cool. Yeah, but uh, but I mean uh, it's uh, I mean what's going on in Dubai when it comes to crypto is unbelievable. I mean the, the like I, I I do go to Dubai quite often, but it's just every time I go there, it's just more and more and more crypto people and more and more and more crypto stuff happening, and it is unbelievable. It made me feel like. I was in New York with our- Oh my gosh. Did you hear that X just the- muted him when he was about to talk bad without- about the United States? Without, without the smell of the noise, I guess. Without, without what? Without, without, he got censored. Without all the politics and without all the homeless people and without all the, the surveillance, like all that crappy US... Uh, like surveillance, it was just, it was absolutely amazing. I, I just felt Dubai is what I think New York wants you to think it is. I hope you didn't I, just I, I say there's the, no I, surveillance. I, I, I love, I love, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, did he say that? No, I don't think so. Ryan, you're saying there's no surveillance in Dubai? I love Dubai, I live here. I said, I said, I said crappy surveillance. I said crappy surveillance, which is all the all these police they have, they have, I think that I think there's a there's a drone following every human that walks in Dubai. As far as I'm aware, you just never yeah. see it. <laughs> I love yeah, I love I the mean, US. I, so I'm obviously I love I love Dubai. I live here. If anyone doesn't know, I'm hearing myself echo. But Ren, uh, maybe a, 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 any key insights. I know you can't you, you know can't go into too much detail, but any key insights from some of the meetings you had in Dubai. And then maybe a quick market update, where you think the market is at now. It's been, what, three, four months, so it's been a long time. We haven't gotten your thoughts. Oh, really? So, whole for three days. Uh, no, I mean, no real insight other than the fact that it's business as usual, bull market. I saw amazing projects, um, really, really, really high-quality, amazing projects this time around. Um, so, I think we're at that part of the bull market. I don't think the scam projects are, you know, I think the scam projects come later. I think there's some really good quality projects that are starting to raise. In terms of market outlook, I mean, we're accumulating for the next move. Um, you know, I mean, history will tell us the next move is up. But uh, I think, I, think like, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, right now we're accumulating. I was hoping we'd get much more of a correction. We didn't. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope there is one more big correction because there's a whole lot of things that I want to buy. And I didn't end up buying them. So, yeah, I mean, if that, that's, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at. I don't, I don't, I don't what do you want to buy? I want to. I want the list. What do you want to buy? I guess I, I mean, need to watch I, the show. I have, a, I have a list which I tweeted not so long ago, um, but it's like it's very. It's different for each individual because I know I already have a very big portfolio. So these are all like top ups into into my portfolio. I mean, the one thing that, the one thing that is, I'm not going to say worrying me because not worrying me. I because I, I, I understand it, but the one thing that's fascinating me is the fact that the the amount of airdrops that are happening on this market and the amount of money that's being dropped on this market. It's like, like yesterday, Dimension airdrop. Before that, Celestia airdrop. You know, Jito airdrop, Pith airdrop. You're going to trigger Scott to talk about helicopter money now. You know that, Ram. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is helicopter money, but it, I mean, obviously, it's, it's not helicopter money because each each one of these protocols is, each one of these is a protocol that is really adding value and just now sharing its value with the users of the protocol. But I mean, you've got to ask yourself a question whether these things are coming to the market at, at reasonable valuations. Like we saw the dimension airdrop yesterday. That's a, t- a protocol that 
literally launched yesterday and the market is giving it a fully diluted valuation of $6 billion. Now, I don't know, like $6 billion is the same valuation you give a, 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 a listed equity you know, with real profit share, a listed equity. Yeah, and you don't give and you don't give that to those. <laughs> well, you could, <laughs> right? Mean, theoretically, Scott, theoretically you could. Theoretically you could say that. Right. That yeah, there are, are. Yes. Instead of paying a marketing expense to acquire its users, Disney or Netflix could say that its subscribers, if you if you subscribe, you'll get some of the equity. Now the SEC won't allow you to do that, but but theoretically you could say it's the same formula, right? You could say, look. The, you know, like if you were starting Netflix today, you could say the first million subscribers to Netflix will actually uh, get 5% of the equity of Netflix. I mean, and, and that is that is completely viable. I mean, the SEC doesn't allow it, but it is completely viable. But what's worrying me is, is, is so these, these airdrops are coming and then the protocols are launching, but they're launching at ridiculous valuations. So the valuations are like, you know, like, as I said, Dimension came on an evaluation of $6 billion yesterday. Now, yeah, look, I mean, that's full, like, bull market froth, and we haven't even started. Yeah, not, not only that, not only that, I'm just thinking to myself, like, like, which investor, real investor, not retail that landed up buying airdrop, is actually investing in this protocol at a $6 billion valuation? It just sounds like, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I don't, I'm not picking specifically on this project, right? Like, I just think that, some of these valuations for some of these projects just are, are absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And maybe not, the market is pricing them as if they've already succeeded and they're, they're literally at startup phase. I mean, literally the, the protocol started yesterday. They even had problems starting up the, the validator nodes, you know, like. Yeah, doesn't that mean people should just dump their airdrop and uh, move on with their lives? I mean, why would yes. you... Yes, not sell the airdrop if you're if it's at a six billion dollar no, valuation. It's an that's experiment. what they're doing. <laughs> no, they're not. If you I'll look at you many why. of them, yeah, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why because everyone's thinking maybe it's going to go higher because maybe this whole market is just going to continue to go higher, and that's that's what's going on here. That's we're in, like, and again, I don't want to pick on Dimension because actually Dimension is a very, very, very smart protocol. I don't think we should get into what it does here because it, it is quite technical, but I just. I'm using it as an example of a protocol that was literally born yesterday and is valued at $6 billion. Now, show me, I mean, let's maybe have some comparisons. Who can maybe name one or two companies that are listed on the NASDAQ with a $6 billion valuation? And let's see which one we think is more valuable, you know? Zach, go ahead. No, but Shushak, before Zach, before you speak, Zach, one quick question, Ryan. What happened to that Solana Dex? What's the, because I was watching that one since you were trading it live. Jupiter. Jupiter. Okay. Yeah. So remember yeah. I told you I put my orders in at 51. Remember I put orders in at 51 because it didn't did like it hit the, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did it, did it hit that number? It hit 51 It hit fifty one yesterday before, so, or just after Solana went down. It hit 51. I've got my order and I think it's back up at 57 now. Um, but again, okay, so let's look at that. That one is actually a very, very, very highly utilized uh, decentralized uh, exchange, right? Or exchange aggregator. And that's trading at a $5.7 billion fully diluted valuation. That's like, like, sorry, what's Coinbase's market cap? If someone could just look up Coinbase's market cap. I'm, I'm driving, so I don't like have now. access to... Yeah, yeah not at a computer, but uh, Mario. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great. Hosting. So it's $28 billion. 
Okay, so okay, so it's so it's one fifth of Coinbase's market cap. You know, like, and that's for the token. That's a that's a token. You talk, you talk about you talk, you're talking about Jupiter, yeah. I'm talking about Jupiter, yeah. Or well, what? What do you think the market cap should be then? There's a I, quarter I of Coinbase for under a billion. Um, under a billion. It depends. It depends. In the you know, it's, it's all relative valuations. If you're willing to price. Other uh, other protocols at X, then relatively this one actually looks okay. But then, like for me, I, like to be honest, I bought it as a trade, knowing that it's going to touch fifty-one and bounce. But it's not something that I'm going to hold in my long-term portfolio because I just how do you buy something? How do you get your first entry at five billion? Like it's just that sounds weird to me. Sorry. Especially I mean, like you said, when you're comparing, like if you're as deep in this market as you are, the opportunities are. You know, uh, the thing that's under 500 million and goes to 5 billion when people start buying it. I can understand for an average person who's looking for a slower game, but like, and I'm not encouraging this, but like those who are looking for the massive moves to the upside, that's not the place to start. I'll tell you another thing. I'll tell you another thing which, which clicked, which clicked, and I'm actually going to do a show on it tomorrow. Um, I was going to do it today, but I just landed too late and everything just fell apart. But so we look at projects and as a retail investor, what you say is, okay, the project's coming onto the market. And then you say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to invest in this project because Pantera invested or because Polychain invested or because Multicoin invested, right? And then that for you is a proxy. And that proxy actually tells you that it's safe to invest in this project, right? So how many times is, and be honest, because I know everyone thinks this, how many times has, has a investment, you've seen a token listed? And you say to yourself, this must be a good project because Jump Capital or, or uh, Polychain or Multicoin are actually investors. Be like, be honest. All the time. All the time. Okay, so now what I think most people don't realize is the following. Usually when Multicoin invest, let, 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 I'm going to use Binance Ventures and Coinbase Ventures, and I'm going to use a project like, let's say, Celestia, uh, which, by the way, has a $15 billion market cap or $13 billion market cap. Right now, what the average retail investor is saying is they're saying, look, let me, or let me buy this project because Multicoin or Jump or, or, or Binance or Coinbase are investors in this project. Therefore, it must be a good project. What they're not doing is they're not doing a calculation that says, hold on, these guys are getting very, very, very early access. So the fact that, that Polychain is an investor, they got in at a, at a fully diluted market cap of $20 million or $50 million. Now the project's on the market at $5 billion. These guys are at 100x, 200x, 300x on their money. And the average retail investor is saying, oh, I must buy this project because Polychain is invested. No, 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 guys. Polychain was invested at 50 million. At 5 billion, Polychain are now thinking to themselves whether or not they should be dumping. And so this is the, this is the it's a massive disconnect which happens in the market where it's, it's a massive, massive, massive mistake that, that happens in the market where retail is looking at a token and saying, I should buy this token because the strong VC is in it. What they're not realizing is that the strong VC got in 100x ago. And so at this level, the strong VC is probably looking for the exit. Yeah. So that, well, just, to, just to, to get it right, and that can't be waiting for a long time. What you're saying is that those strong VCs, and I'm going to ask a dumb question because I missed what you were saying, dropped out a bit for me. But what you're saying is that those VCs, those strong names, get it at a really good, dis at a big discount. So they're yeah, looking they at an exit by the time other VCs or other investors get in. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm, sa I'm saying that 
Oh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm impressed. Hey, I'm impressed. I just want to give myself credit. I'm, I, I heard literally about ten percent of what he said, and I got it right. So it's credit to me. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, I just think that I, I, I hear too many investors talking about like, oh, I must get into this project, you know, because uh, because Binance Labs invested. Yeah, but you always, but yeah, but Rand, Rand, you always, you always ask. Like we just did that with a project a week ago. Always ask what valuation did X, Y, Z. We got in the project that Pantera uh, 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 with a lead investor. I know you do because you're a VC, but I'm saying the average retail investor, when the token hits the market, they're saying the same thing. Oh, okay. But they're not paying attention to the fact that the VC is actually, you're probably the exit liquidity for the VC. No, it depends. Depends. I want to give VCs some credit as well. A lot of these VCs like Pantera and Amoka, I see Terrence and David are giving you a thumbs up. But guys, just want to point out, a lot of them have big lockups. So as I said, our strategy, for example, once we get offered tokens, we always have a strategy and I'm kind of giving it out there. So projects listening will, will expect us to do it. We always do it. Whatever offer you give us, we'll come back asking for more and offering to lock up for longer. Always. That's the strategy we do. So, and, and others don't even, you know, they don't do the same strategy, but they have long lockup. Animoca and Pantera being two examples out of and Reason, the rest of them as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think you're, smart. you're, 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 you're making an assumption you're making assumptions about how smart the, the average retail investor is. And what I've been seeing from talking to these retail investors and, and specifically interacting with them quite recently is that they're just saying, oh, I need to buy this token because a good VC is invested. And they're not saying, oh, but a good VC invested 100x ago and I'm buying it 100x. They're not saying, would a good VC actually buy this token right now? That, that, they're not asking that question. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, just to agree with you both, I think it's always a bad investment strategy to invest in something only because you've seen a VC take a token allocation. Um, but to Mario's point, I feel like the token lockups and transparency for a lot of projects has gotten better, certainly since like, I don't know, 2018. If you look back at kind of how much information was provided for exactly when VCs might be locked up. Um, but, you know, sometimes it also works in the opposite direction. But I did like Rand's point about the idea of, you know, airdrops who are leaning into actually making sure that those tokens go to their most involved community members or users. And to answer the question, I mean, if we're talking about a $6 billion market cap overnight, that would be on the scale of about a Levi Strauss. So everyone knows the jeans company. It'd be as if you kind of created that overnight. But of course, you know, I think the most interesting point, and I, I liked what Peter was saying early on, which I haven't talked to you, Peter, since we were back on Yahoo Finance and I was an anchor over there. So good to chat with you again. But I mean, valuations and all of this is looking at how far future incomes might grow, right? And so obviously, a Levi Strauss making denim and jeans, there's only so much you can do to have growth in that business. But if you're talking about a DeFi or a DEX exchange that's going to be growing massively, it's an entirely different story there. Zach, I just want to, I want to, I want you to finish, but I'm going to interrupt you on this one because I had that exact discussion with my team today. So I've got another company for anyone who doesn't know. It's an, an e-com health and wellness brand. I'm, ex, I'm not looking to sell. I've had it for 12, 11 years and I, I, passive, I, I, zero involvement. So I wanted to kind of explore the, the possibility of selling the business, unlikely, you know, 10, 20% chance of selling it. So I'm valuing it. And then the valuation multiple relative to IBC, which my other company raising capital and, and uh, planning to go public later this year is ridiculously different. One of them has been there for 11 years, built that brand in over whatever, 10, 20 countries. And the other one, IBC has been there since 2017. 
And the valuations are incomparable. It goes back to the point, Zach. The margins are not the same. The, pos- the, the growth potential is not the same. And so comparing Jupiter to Levi's uh, is not comparing apples to apples. Yeah, exactly. It's not, no, apples, I agree. it's not apples to apples. But also, I mean, like, I think, you know, when you think about just the narrative and breaking it up, right, the discussion around airdrop projects versus something like a Bitcoin versus what I think a lot of people who are listening might be excited about, which is kind of what's the next Solana. So I was looking back at the numbers. If you look at 2021, so just go back three years, right? And maybe you got $1,000 to play with. You could have put it in Meta. You could have put it in Bitcoin. You could have put it in ETH or Solana. Basically, you're about the same return if you went with Meta, Bitcoin, Ethereum. It doesn't really matter all that much. Solana was $14,000 you'd have today, put $1,000 into it three years ago. So I feel like the big question when you're comparing all these things is, what's the growth potential? What's the risk factor? And what's going to be that next Solana for the next three years? And how should people allocate? And I feel like that's you know constantly something for people to keep in mind when they're looking at you know different risk profiles across these projects. I I want to agree with you. I want to agree with you. I just, um, I have the, the benefit of seeing some other industries and being involved in other industries. Um, and, you know, a lot of the investments that, that I've seen, I'm not, not a very active investor, but I certainly have been looking is like I've been looking at AI investments. I've been looking at other technological investments. And the one thing that, I'm, that I understand the theory behind, but I can't reconcile is how in this industry, uh, protocols are going from a valuation of zero to six billion in in like one year, whereas in where where I'm not seeing that in any other industry in the world, like even in AI, which you could, which you know you could kind of say that AI is um, maybe as exciting and probably will have the same amount of change on humanity as as blockchain and stuff like that, maybe in just uh, different areas, or even in biotech or biohacking or whatever else, right? How many companies have you seen in those verticals in less than 12 months achieve Never. a 5 billion and a 10 billion fully diluted value? That, that's because like, we not, that's because we print the money and make it liquid instantly. <laughs> I think that's, I yes, think that's but, but but I mean ultimately ultimately term, ultimately the last ultimately the valuation equals the valuation whether you you make it liquid now or make it liquid later you, you as Paul said you may be eating now at the expense of your uh, uh, at the expense of the future. But wh- what is it about this industry? And I, I know what the theory is. The theory is that we are creating open source protocols with network effects. That's the theory, and 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 that that doesn't exist in any in any other industry. But but you know, because I have a, a view of other industries and and I see all this, I'm going. How is it that we are the only industry that can build? multi-unicorns in less than three months and six months. Like I see protocols, $1 billion fully diluted valuation, less than 12 months old. I think there, why am I not seeing that? There, there are three, why am I not seeing any other, there are three in, reasons, other industry? I think in, in crypto, why we see that way you don't see it in other industries. One is the liquidity of the tokens, right? Which you don't see in other early stage businesses. And so you have the potential for early stage VC-like returns but without the illiquidity of traditional early VC investments where the stock is closely held for a long time. I think the second is there's a lack of real cash flow. And so things trade on narratives, right? And right, hold on, wait, wait. I, let, 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 me address, let me address point number one first. You're saying because we create immediate liquidity, our protocol should be valued much higher not, on a fully should. diluted value? Not, they are, not should. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if yeah, it was a that, totally liquid market for pre-seed startups, I think you'd see wacky stuff there too, right? The, the thing that's different about crypto is it's liquid pretty much right away, which you don't see in high growth early stage startups. And so people hold on, can- yeah. Hold on, I want, I want to just, I'm trying to make sure I understand this. If, if I was an investor in Airbnb in the first year when Airbnb was launched, going back to, let's just go cast our minds back to the first year when Airbnb was launched. Are you saying- that if Airbnb became liquid on day one, I should have given it a, a two or three or four billion dollar valuation versus the fact that he was struggling to raise capital at a forty million dollar valuation back then. Yeah, well, so just by virtue of the fact that, that it's going to be liquid. That was a different. That was a different time. But if you had a very hyped startup day, let's say Sam Altman does a startup today, and the shares of that startup were publicly traded and available on Robinhood from the pre-seed, and the you know people could bid it up and people could dump it, I think you'd see really crazy valuations. Really early. So on. Yeah, but you don't have. But Ryan, don't you have? So all these blockchain products are uh, the equivalent of Sam Altman projects. I'm just trying to work no, it out. No, no, no. So, so, so I think it's three things. So one, I think, yeah, is the it. early liquidity. Yeah, I think two, securities. two, two is the lack of cash flow or, or necessarily expectation of cash flow. There's a moneyness, and so you have something that is between investing and gambling. Right? These things trade on narratives more than they trade on fundamentals. And so the liquidity plus you can put whatever story on it you want allows you to imagine and defend in your mind really crazy valuations. I think that's a big part of it. And then third is like, this is a sector which like the narratives that are out there- You'll are agree with me, Zach, sorry, you'll agree with me, you'll agree with me that just because a bunch of gamblers can speculate on the value of a token doesn't actually make the underlying token- Of course, the of underlying course. Token. Yeah, I think I think the point is is that the people who are buying and selling these tokens aren't looking at the valuation and don't care. They're just looking to see if the token goes up or down right. for any given amount of but time. But Scott, but they're they're basing they're basing the, these speculators are not dumb people. Many of them are basing it on what they believe the undervalue is the under uh, the, the the underlying value of the token or the project can become. Well, no, I don't think so. You've, you've said I, this. I you've so. said this. Your I think ninety percent of them are just trading. Yeah, and and even smart investors, some of them are taking long-term positions in protocols that they really believe in. But a lot of them are doing a play on the early liquidity, right? It's a greater fool theory. Listen, this thing is going to be really hyped. And then one last thing I think that, that like that's important for this dynamic is the float on these things tends to be minuscule because of these lockups. You know, some of the lockups are legally required. Some of it is good for the health of the protocol, but it also means that like the fully diluted valuation you're looking at for these tokens is really not reflective of what's going on in the market. A tiny, tiny percentage of the tokens are trading. And if all of the tokens were unlocked, you would see- But, that, but, but that's a scam. Yeah. That's a scam. I'm, I'm that's, not defending any of it. Yes, it is a scam. That's the equivalent to, as if Netflix uh, would say, look, we know that we're going to one day issue 100 million shares to the, to the, to the shareholders. But right now, we're only going to issue a 1,000 shares. And if you want to, just go and bid for the 1,000 shares. And by the way, we, at the discretion of the team, can unlock, uh, the, we'll tell you there's an unlock schedule. And if we want to move it, we'll move it, because that's what, what these protocols actually do. So, like, I'm just, like, what, what, don't get me wrong. Very bullish in technology. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 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 love the industry. But um, I'm also realizing what Scott told me a long time ago, which is we're actually living in a game and we should be playing the game. And the rules of this game is that fundamental valuations don't actually matter at all. The, the rules of this game is you are playing into the, the utmost of gamblers. The one thing that doesn't matter in this game 
is the actual real valuation of the protocol. The only thing that matters is how well they play liquidity and how hot the market for gamblers is. That, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, we should just, I know we all love crypto and that, but let's just be honest about what's actually going on here. Yeah, I think that was. No, I disagree. I, I think uh, I disagree. I think it, you, you're right, but not to the. Not, you know, you're being too binary. I think underlying value still plays a key role. A lot of the top projects right now, top 50 coins, were considered gambles with a greater fool theory a few years ago. Now suddenly, the 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 value is warranted because they achieved their miles. So I think it's a bet on the team. Can you tell me how the Can you tell me how the mansion is worth six billion dollars? Can you tell me? No, I'm not investing. No, I think it's I think it's overvalued, but I don't. I also don't think it's impossible they'll reach that valuation. It's just a bet I wouldn't make. I think that's okay. also Zach's. Simon, by the way, I'm saying, but disclaim, disclaimer: I know nothing about Dimension. I don't really care. Well, Simon, about Simon, I see your hands up. You've been here for a long time. Full disclosure: I know you're an investor in everything. Um, maybe you want to like just give me some perspective here. Yeah, no. Yeah, full disclosure, Simon will definitely agree with you, Ren. All right. Well, Martin was here. Full disclosure, I'm a shareholder in Artpold, but um, can't hear you. Uh, I being so, I being I being serious, yeah. Simon. <laughs> um, you got to stop doing this. Okay, go ahead. Um, but to give you intel on that, um, Uphold, for example, um, who was just on the stage, um, I invested in their seed round in 2015, and that was a 125 million valuation, real business. And it was one of the most expensive seed rounds or early stage companies in our sector. Um, at Bank to the Future, we've got markets in 100 different companies in the industry. Um, so we get the, the difference with the tokens and Bank to the Future is um, regulation arbitrage. We, we have to do full disclosure. Um, we have to provide the financial data of those companies when it's, when it's available. Um, and uh, we have to onboard people in a way that is, is compliant. So that makes a significant difference in terms of just those, those market dynamics. So there's a real disjoint. For example, um, Ripple Labs, the equity, um, you could buy that on Bank to the Future for about $10 billion valuation, and it holds over $20 billion of XRP on the balance sheet without all of the, you know, everything else within the company. So, the yeah, but I mean, that's, that, that, I mean, let's not talk about Ripple because to me, that's a function of how many dumb investors. Ripple to me is the dumbest arrangement on the market. I've said it publicly. I'm saying it again well, publicly. That's exactly yeah, the, it's, it's, what we're saying with all the, with the valuations of all the other stuff, right? Well, no, let, 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 let's not talk about Ripple because I'll say some things here and then they'll send me legal letters and stuff like that. So I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. Um, yeah, because but the, the, the yeah. point the point uh, was Zach, just the difference the difference in the equity value when you actually have to disclose, you know, what value is being created in terms of finances versus a token that has nothing you can analyze it for other than I just want someone to tell me why Dimension is worth six billion dollars. That's all I want. I just want someone to say to me, uh, <laughs> "This is the this is this is how we did the mathematics." This is why we feel that Dimension is worth $6 billion. When you say Jupiter is worth $5 billion, I say, okay, it's one-fifth of Coinbase. It does generate trading fees. It's got a whole lot of users already. It is the biggest DEX on Solana. Okay, you know what? Like, there's a relative valuation versus Coinbase. You can kind of do a discounted cash flow on their fees under certain assumptions. I do think $5 billion is reasonably aggressive, but I can kind of justify it. But 95% of the other projects out there, and I look at them and I go, are you f fucking kidding me? Let, let me let me ask you another question. Um, 
I'm looking right now at Cardano, right? The market cap of Cardano. Let me just give you the market cap of Cardano. Just, just hold on a second. The market cap of Cardano right now is, um, it's $21 billion. How much was Doge 21. worth at the top, right? Like the, Doe's 11 billion now, I think, 11 to 12, somewhere. But in that there. was multi deca billion. People are not looking for fun. Okay. Like that's, that's been true. Okay, but, okay but, then, but then we agree, then we agree that this whole game has got nothing to do with fundamentals. It's all it's got to do with is reading sentiment and uh, reading sentiment in the casino. We're just playing a game of sentiment, which has got zero link to fundamentals. With the stock market, I can say the following. There is an element of of, of fundamentals and there is an element of market speculation and the two to some extent there's some correlation like I can say that that yes of course there's hype in markets and we're playing the market game but then I can always correlate back to fundamentals and say you know what you know there's, this company has a turnaround strategy it, it has an acquisition strategy in this game I'm looking at it and I'm going there is zero fundamentals and all you're playing is narrative and hype and how, how do you uh, how, how do you but you're talking about Doge Mikkel? Uh, I heard uh, Ryan call XRP a piece of shit. So if you want to come up and respond, you're welcome to Mikkel. But Ryan, how, how do you value? You're talking about fundamentals and tra publicly trading companies. How do you value something like Doge, where, where you got people like Elon supporting it, possibility of integration within Twitter, and a very you know pretty solid community? Disclaimer: I'm not an investor in Doge. I've never invested in any meme coin, and I don't believe uh, the I'm value is warranted. I've come to the. I'm coming more and more to the realization that you know, like you know, meme coins. Let's just let's just go to the. Let's go to the, the complete extreme. The complete extreme is meme coins, right? Like, why was dog with hat? Why was with dog with hat? I, I don't know what it was priced at, but priced at a couple of hundred million dollar market. I mean, can we just agree that that is absolutely ridiculous? Can we just? All think, line on that. Yeah, I think that that was that was Zach's original point too. I feel like these there there are fundamental valuations for projects that have been around and have the liquidity. And then I feel like the one rule that you were calling out was no one should believe market cap valuations for these small airdrop projects. And Scott's point, I think, is well taken. No one really invests that way. Like FTT is a perfect example that everyone should definitely remember and remember pretty well about the risks around this. Is when there is no real liquidity there. Believing that these valuations are real is the biggest mistake any investor, whether you're a professional investor or retail investor, can make. And the same game that was being played with FTT is probably being played by a lot of these smaller projects. But those shouldn't be compared in terms of valuation numbers with, with a Bitcoin, which has a real narrative and real numbers. That's dope.